great to be with you. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast. Now, recently I was reading a children's book to my daughter. The book is called Dina D. Forgives and Forgets on the Topic of Forgiveness. And in this book, Dina D., who I guess you could say is the protagonist, encounters a friend at school who teases her and tells her that, Dina D., you're not my friend. And the story goes on to describe how Dina goes home, and she cries to her mother about the incident. And what did you do when she insulted you? Mommy asked. I didn't do anything, said Dina D. I could have answered her back, but I did not. How wonderful, Mommy exclaimed. Hashem loves one who remains silent and refrains from answering back when someone insults them. These are the words that I read, and seeing the words in the page gave me pause, because sure, there are times when answering back is not helpful. But the lesson of remaining silent when you get hurt was actually not a teaching that I wanted to impart to my daughter. Now, this children's book brought to mind that what might pass for wholesome lessons in the area of apology and forgiveness might very well be damaging. And today, as we record, we're standing between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. This is a time that people traditionally ask for or grant forgiveness. But what does it mean to apologize? What does it mean to forgive? What are the proper boundaries of forgiveness? Should we always be forgiving? Or are there times that we should withhold forgiveness? Today, I'd like to explore with you the meaning of apology and forgiveness. And as we do so, we're going to establish healthy principles that can guide us today and going forward, principles that will be meaningful in our lives, or for that matter, in the lives of our children. Now, the tshuva concept, the idea of repentance or return, is really one of the most powerful ideas in Judaism. In fact, Kohelis Ecclesiastes 7.20 remarks that all people sin. But if a person did a bad deed, we might, we might ask, the deed is done. So how can it be undone? And Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, in his classic work, the Masil Sisharim, teaches us that this is the magic of atonement. By regretting the past and resolving to do differently, we're actually doing something quite profound. We're recreating ourselves And the day of Yom Kippur bestows atonement upon the Jewish people. As we know, the Torah in Vayikra says, This day shall atone for you to purify you from all of your sins before God. You shall be purified. And in that light, Yom Kippur is both a day that bestows atonement, and it's also a a creative day, a mentally creative day of rethinking our lives. However, based on this verse, the Mishnah in Yoma 85 points out that there's really two types of, of sin. There is sin before God, as the verse says, you shall be cleansed before God, and there's sins towards our fellow man. And while Yom Kippur bestows atonement for sins between man and God, the Mishnah teaches us that to receive atonement for interpersonal infractions, we must first appease the offended. Now, the Rambam in Hilkos Tshuva explains that there is a process that the penitent must go through. And the Rambam writes that when one person hurts another person, 
they're never forgiven until they provide the friend, the fellow person, with what is owed to them and appeases them. And so, essentially, the, the offender must appease the victim if they have hurt them. Now, what's more, the Rambam says that if the offended does not forgive, you should actually make multiple attempts to appease the person. The Rambam adds that if, after three attempts, the offended has still not forgiven, lo ratza, they don't want to forgive, manicho v'holechlo, v'zeshlo machol huachote. The Rambam says that if the offended is still not appeased after all these tries, the, the violator, the person who originally offended, can walk away. And now, the one who doesn't want to forgive, who withholds forgiveness, huachote. He is the person who is the sinner. And so, in summary, there's really a couple things. Because on the one hand, we really need to make very great efforts to appease someone if we have offended them. But at the same time, the offended person, too, needs to be able to let go and forgive. Now, there is a, a fascinating comment idea from Ravisol Salanter. Ravisol Salanter, great 19th century rabbi originally from Lithuania, the founder, a great thinker and the founder of the, of the modern Musser movement, really a Jewish growth movement in a sense. And Ravisol sheds light on this principle. And he writes that if one person sins against another person, such as if a person angers another person, so they must appease them. As long as he does not appease him, says Ravisol Salanter, it is permissible for the victim to bear a grudge against the violator. And so here we have a new concept. There's such a thing, says Ravisol Salanter, as a legitimate grudge. Ravisol Salanter continues to write, though, that Bearing a grudge for no legitimate reason is an avon gadol. It is a serious transgression. These words are a very big key to understanding teshuva and the repair process. Because there are times when a grudge is natural and permissible. If one person called attention to another person's flaws, it's natural for that victim to be upset. By the very fact that Halacha guides us to ask for forgiveness, we can ascertain that a grudge can be legitimate. So, just as the Torah re- recognizes monetary damage, the Torah also recognizes emotional damage and verbal f- oppression. And so our goal then, in appeasing our fellow person, is to remove that grudge. It's to make sure that there's no real legitimate reason for someone to have a grudge against us. So should we express regret for our actions? There comes a point where the grudge is no longer legitimate. And if at times it can be hard to forgive another person when we've been hurt, we, um, as the person is being asked forgiveness of, actually have a very big motivation to forgive because the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah Yod Zion, Amid Bay 17b, um, the Talmud there states that a person who is forgiving of others will have their sins forgiven by Hashem because they are imitating God's attributes of being forgiving and God will act likewise with that person. Now, given that it can be hard to forgive, it, it's critical that the offender gives a legitimate apology. When done right, 
an apology can be a bridge to an even stronger relationship. Done wrong, it's just not an apology. And that's actually a key piece of advice that a top leadership coach, um, someone that I've followed quite a bit, Marshall Goldsmith, uh, offers. And Marshall Goldsmith speaks to leaders in his bestseller book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And Goldsmith offers advice to leaders who are looking to step up their game, especially if along the way they've offended members of their team. And he writes that to step forward as a leader, you need to be prepared to make a humble apology to co-workers that you may have offended. And as, as he documents, it's hard to apologize because, number one, it's hard to admit mistakes. And number two, we have a reason that we did what we did, right? There was ultimately a reason. And so what often ends up happening is that we ambush our own apology. So we'll say something like, like, I'm sorry that you are feeling hurt <laughs> instead of, I'm sorry that I spoke disrespectfully to you. Or we'll say, when you criticized me, I shut down the conversation instead of, I'm sorry I cut you off. That was disrespectful. I personally had an incident where I offended someone and I found it difficult to apologize because, for the same reason, because that person had wronged me as well. But I was given the following advice. Apologize for what you've done wrong, regardless of the other person's shortcomings. I did that, and I was able to move on knowing that I had done my part. And that's an approach that we can take in life. Come out and apologize unconditionally for whatever you did wrong, without making excuses, and just resolve that you're going to do things differently the next time. And that doing that will most certainly help the offended person let go, and in any case, will help you to move on. So we, we have a principle then that the offended person should strive to be forgiving, as the Rambam writes about. And the Rambam surely has a strong support for this from the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot. The Mishnah in the fifth chapter of Pirkei Avot says, Kasha lichos chasid, someone who is difficult to anger, and easy to pacify is called a chassid, a pious or a righteous person. Humble people forgive easily. They know their faults. They're ready to forgive others. And besides, when we forgive, we, of course, get the benefit of God acting generously with us as we do with others. And in consonance with this, and in, in contrast with the Tina D forgives and forgets, the Rambam in Hilkos Deos, it's in the Mishnah Torah, writes that when we're hurt, we are not supposed to be silent. In fact, if we are silent and, and the issue festers, there's this classic story, for example, of David, David's son of Shalom. David hated Amnon in his heart, and he said nothing to Amnon um, about this hatred, and it just festered. And then one day, he got up and he killed him. And it's, that's an illustration um, of, of how letting things fester is, is really not good. But rather, when we're hurt, we're supposed to reprove the person, have a conversation with them, just like, for example, Avraham reproved Avimelech for the incident with Sarah. And Avraham reproved him, but he was forgiving of him. And not only that, Avraham even prayed for Avimelech at the end of the incident. And that is really the, the example that we, we should look to. So forgiveness is an important quality. Uh, 
But can it be that forgiveness is always appropriate? From terrorist attacks, school shootings, murder, there is no shortage of events that seem unforgivable. And certainly there are horrific events which we cannot, for which we cannot and should not forgive perpetrators. Would we forgive people for, would we forgive terrorists for the 9-11 attacks? Let's take a less extreme example of the unforgivable. In 1987, Raymond Donovan was the Secretary of Labor under Ronald Reagan, and he was indicted by the government on corruption charges for his work with a construction company, and he was accused of having ties with the mob. The media had a field day disparaging Donovan. The trouble was, the case did not hold up in court. And when the jury agreed that Donovan was innocent, he famously asked, where do I go to get my reputation back? Where do I go to get my reputation back? As this story illustrates, sometimes people can commit wrong against us where a mere apology falls woefully short. In fact, the Shulchan Aruch um, addresses this very concept. Specifically, the Shulchan Aruch and Archaim uh, 606 rules that if you offend someone, you should try to appease them. If they don't um, accept the apology, go back a number of times. The Ramah says one should not be cruel in withholding forgiveness, so you should be forgiving. However, the Ramah adds, V'im love shame ra, ain't tzarich limcholo. The Ramah says that if, if, one, if, if someone was the victim of defamation, then they need not forgive. And that's a, that is a fascinating thing. The Mishnah Burr explains that when there's defamation, so all the people that heard the defamation didn't necessarily hear the retraction, which explains the, the case with Raymond Donovan. But the, the important thing, though, is that there is a limit on unforgiveness. There is an obligation to forgive, but sometimes having the grudge remains reasonable because an apology just f- falls short. Someone was recently telling me about a group of people who got together and collaborated to assault one person's livelihood. Now, I don't know if that they asked for forgiveness, but it's hard for me to imagine that an apology could work in that case. Or worse, we know there's, there's many times where sexual abuse occurs. And sexual abuse has a devastating impact on a victim. Uh, it can be an impact that lasts for years or decades and imagine if we were to encourage the abuse victim to forgive the perpetrator, as it were, in some kind of act of piety. So there is the victim. They're trying to make sense of what they've been through. They're trying to heal. Honestly, forgiving the perpetrator could be damaging to that victim of the abuse because it might undermine the trauma that they've been through, and it might impede their healing process. In fact, there is a, a, a from Jewish woman in uh, Los Angeles, California, who suffered abuse in her youth at the hands of a, someone who was considered a trusted person in her soul community. And to help prevent such future abuse, this woman came out publicly. Uh, she shared her story in many forums. And one of the aspects of her journey that she describes was that it took her many years to grasp what had been done to her and how it had impacted her. When it was happening to her as a girl, she, of course, didn't fully grasp what was being done to her. It's not possible for a young person to truly grasp, uh, grasp the abuse. 
And encouraging such a victim to forgive their abuser really is a grave mistake. It could undermine the process that they need to go through in order to heal from the abuse. So what emerges from all this is a is really a picture that helps us put apology and forgiveness into perspective. When it comes to apology, the, the form is simple. If you offend someone through wrongdoing, just forget the excuses, come out, with a very clear, unequivocal apology, commitment to do better in the future. None of us are God. We're not perfect. Only God is perfect. We should be okay in admitting our mistakes. And of course, to err is human. Now, when it comes to forgiveness, we've got a few scenarios. On one extreme, there's the category of unforgivable sin. It could be defamation of character. It could be terrorism, sexual abuse, there are certain sins which a person cannot and does not need to and perhaps should not forgive. So that's one extreme. On the other extreme, there's small offenses that are not hard to forgive. And we should be a chassid. We should, we should be amongst those that are easy to, um, or I should say, that are hard to offend and are easy to forgive. And so what comes out then is that when in the discussion about forgiveness, the real focus is when we're legitimately hurt by sins that are forgivable. We all live and interact with one another in society, in our world. We all have shortcomings. Causing offense or harm to other people is part of the picture of our lives. And so the key is how we respond and repair after the fact we, we need to have open conversations, open dialogue, and at the same time, we do also need to be forgiving. So think back to that book that I read with my daughter, Dina D. Forgives and Forgets. What should the lesson of this book have been? So I think had the, the Rambam written this book, the book would have gone something like this. Mommy would have said, Dina D., you're right. It's really hurtful when someone teases you at school, excludes you, and tells you that she's not your friend. And if that happens, you should tell the person that their words are hurtful. But when they apologize, it's a great idea to forgive them and to be friends again. So it all boils down to the correct text of Dina D. Forgives and Forgets. I mean, in truth, it's the, the, the lesson is so basic that we need to have that open dialogue. We need to let people know what's going on if they've offended us, but at the same time, we also need to be forgiving. And in truth, I've seen people hold on to grudges for years, even decades later, sometimes families not talking. And usually the root of the issue comes from allowing issues to fester without engagement, without the conversation really that the halakha guides us towards. So in your journey, take the time to engage with people in relationships. If something that happen, if something happened that was hurtful and you're not over it, be candid about that if it's if it's a real issue. And when the apology comes, be forgiving. Like Avraham prayed for Avimelech. Forgiveness is a powerful force in our lives. When we forgive others, then the force of forgiveness is in our lives. And, and that spirit of forgiveness comes to us from Hashem. So may our forgiveness at this time cause an outpouring, a ruach, a spirit of tshuva and repentance, to fill the world around us. Thanks for being with me. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast.